and it is entitled Jesus the Christ. Everybody say Jesus the Christ. Christ. Now that sounds weird, I know, because we always say Jesus Christ, and uh, but I want to preach on Jesus the Christ because Christ is not his last name. Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. And so I want to pick up in this series, Psalm 103, this is the fourth message out of five, and uh, if you will stand to your feet for the reading of God's word, and and I'm telling you, God's going to deposit a word into you. Poke your neighbor and say, God's about to deposit a word into you. I'm telling you, somebody's life will never be the same starting today. Psalm 103, 1 through 5 is our main text that we've been using Uh, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Everybody just take that. Take five seconds. You say, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. We praise your name, Jesus. Oh, I love this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none, not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. Today's message, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, that that is describing his name, Jehovah Shammah, or the the Lord is there, or the presence of the Lord is there. It is a word that really uh, connotates that the presence of God is among you, and uh, and what that simply means is that who, who is the God among us? So for those of you that have been with me a long time, where is God the Father? He's in heaven. Where's Jesus? So who's the God in the presence of God you sense right here in this building today? The Holy Spirit. There are entire denominations that are terrified of the Holy Spirit, but that is the presence of God you feel. It is the Spirit of Christ. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. All right, Colossians 1.27. This is to me. The greatest verse in the New Testament on the purpose and essence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, period. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. How does Christ get inside of you? Through his spirit. That is is the essence and the purpose of the Holy Spirit is for you to be indwelt with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, which is none other than the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to explain what all that means here in just a moment. I love this verse. It's incarnational. In other words, you don't just have to go to church and have a religion or do a religious exercise. You can be filled with God's Spirit. You can experience him every day. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Glory to God. Nate, brothers, good to see you, man. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful, Lord, for your presence. I thank you that you're here, and I ask God you would anoint me, God. Lord, anoint me in spite of me. Help me today. I need it, God. And I just pray that you would just speak to us through your precious, precious word. In the precious, mighty name of Jesus. Not one word of my own, but every word from the throne of God into our hearts. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hold your Bibles up in whatever form you have. And let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word. 
and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five two or three people as you're being seated. Say the Holy Ghost is here. I'm not texting. I'm making a note to announce at the end of service. (laughs) If I don't make notes, I'll never remember. A.W. Tozer said, if God were to take the Holy Spirit out of this world, much of what we're doing in our churches would go right on and nobody would know any difference. I do not believe, he said, in a repetition of Pentecost, but I do believe in a purpose perpetuation of Pentecost and there is a vast difference between the two. May God have mercy on us. Folks, we need the real outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need the genuine move of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I will not apologize for being Pentecostal. I will not apologize for speaking in tongues. I will not apologize for my best friend filling me and helping me and walking with me every day. He is my life. I won't apologize. I'm thankful and I'm proud that I am filled with the Holy Ghost. If I got a witness, is anybody else out there? Praise the Lord. I'm talking about a genuine move of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about genuine conviction, genuine relationship with Him. I'm talking about genuine power, not emotionalism. I'm talking about real, true, sincere power of the Holy Ghost. Now, we like the fire and the shout and all that, but I want to tell you, in services, sometimes you can hear a pin drop. God is working and his power is just as great in the sweet, silent moves of God as he is when it's boisterous and it's out there. The, I'm talking about real, sincere move of the Holy Spirit. How do you know when God's really moved? Because change lives. When you see people go home changed, listen, what we used to call Pentecost years ago was we dance around, feel goose pimples, and everybody goes home and continues to live in sin. But when you want a real move of the Holy Spirit, your life will be changed. You'll go home and you'll cut off the adultery. You'll leave alone getting drunk all the time. You'll quit smoking weed. You'll quit this, that, and you'll, come on, can I get a witness? Is anybody else out there done like I mean? You just stopped. I mean, I stopped stealing cable. I stopped doing it all. Praise God. I figured the cable company wasn't losing anything. So I just went out there and connected it. I used to be a cable man. Well, one day the Lord said, you know, that's stealing. I thought, well, they don't know. (laughs) He said, well, I do. I said, well, I guess I need to repent. He said, yes. And he said, repentance means quit doing it. I thought, well, okay. Out to the box I went, turned it off, threw my tool away. Praise God. There was an action behind it. That's a genuine move of the Holy Spirit. David Platt said it this way. This is where I am most convicted as a pastor. That I am part of a system that has created a whole host of means and methods, plans and strategies for doing church that require little, if any, power from God. I am frightened by the reality that the church I lead can carry on most of our activities, never realizing the Holy Spirit of God is virtually absent from the picture. My God, 
I'm going to be fasting the next three days, and I invite you to join me. I fast three days a month. I fast 21 days in January. I fast one day a week. Pastor, why you do that? Because I want the real deal power of God. Because if our church is going to have any impact on this community whatsoever, and your children, and your grandchildren, and your family members, we have got to have. It's not an option. He's not a luxury item you add. He's not a charismatic option that we just, oh, I'll take one of those. He's not a Chinese buffet. Well, give me these two, but uh, that's out. Listen, he is someone that we have got to have move in our lives. It is not going to be the excellence of music or the excellent preaching, by the way. It's not going to be the, we're not, well, that's the friendliest church in town. None of that stuff's going to do what this community needs. What this community needs is the Holy Spirit to move afresh and anew and seep out these doors and down the streets and have people come out of their homes and say, I don't even know why I'm here, but I've got to change. My life's got to be different. I had a man, old truck driver. His wife told me, Pastor, he cusses you out all the way home every Sunday. I said, I don't bother me. Bring him to church. Let him cuss me. I don't care. He's the old rough truck driver. I will never forget in my life. The Sunday, God finally knocked on his heart. And he came down that walls right there. And at first I thought, is he coming to get me? I don't know. <laughs> Somebody help he came down that hallway there, and I could see this old rough, gruff truck driver, old Stony Morris. He came down and stood right there. This old rough, gruff guy had tears, big crocodile tears just flowing down his face. I said, Stony, what can I help you pray about? And he looked up at me, almost surprised that he was there, eyes red, face swollen from crying. He said, I'm a rotten sinner, and I need Jesus. And I want to tell you something. That's why we need the power of the Holy Ghost. To save men's souls. That's why we pray. That's why we fast. That's why we seek the power of God. Because there are precious souls across the street and down the road and in that high school that need an encounter with Jesus. And we need a thousand more just like Stoney. They say, I need Jesus. Woo. The only way to have a great revival is to pray and invite the true power of the Holy Spirit. Do we still believe in the still power of the Holy Spirit? Do we still long for it? You know, you can know the power in the person of the Holy Spirit. What distinguishes a person from a thing? Life. Well, a plant has life. I believe it's a soul. What is a soul? It's our mind, will, and emotions. A person has thoughts, desires, and feelings. The Holy Spirit has thoughts, desires, and feelings. This is where our battle is. It is in our mind, will, and emotions. And I want to tell you the Holy Spirit is here to help you think like God thinks. Desire what God desires. Feel what God feels. Did you know that God has a soul? God the Father speaking in Matthew 12, 18. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved and whom my soul is well pleased. That's God the Father. Jesus speaking in Matthew 26, 38. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. 
the Holy Spirit speaking in Hebrews 10, 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit biblically have a soul. We do too. Mind, will, and emotions. And that leads me to point number one, and that is this. The Holy Spirit has a mind. Poke your neighbor and say the Holy Spirit has a mind. Our mind is the battleground. Your battles are between your ears. How many know what I'm talking about? I got in the church and I just started in. And about five seconds in, Holly said, just shut up. I don't even talk. Just, just shut it. Don't say nothing. Just get in the church and pray. I thought, well. And then I pulled down the road and I saw the dumpster here. And I was the front of the deer. I'm human. Those of you have been around me a long time, you know. For those of you new, they're like, I don't know about this pastor. He kind of whacked out there. Look, Isaiah 55, 8, watch this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my, your ways my ways, says the Lord. If you're waiting to try to understand God, you will never understand him. Well, I'll just turn my whole life to him when I understand. That ain't ever going to happen. Because none of us will ever come close to understanding God. Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. We can think like Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? I love this. But we have the mind of what? You know, when my mind is going the wrong way, I start saying, wait a minute, that's not the mind of Christ. And God said, I have the mind of Christ. He didn't even say I have to pray for it. All I got to do is say, thank you, I have the mind of Christ. Help me to see this. Help me to see this whole thing like you do. How cool is that? You have someone living inside of you, watch this, the Holy Spirit, who knows everything, where there's no limitations, and he is committed to be your teacher and lead you into all truth. So why would you not want to know him? Did you know you can ask the Holy Spirit, hey, what do you think about this? Well, what should I do about that? Should I go here? Should I work there? He will answer all your questions. But the problem is we have relegated the Holy Spirit to a force and not a person. If you don't see him as a person, you can never have a personal relationship with him. If he is this cosmic cloud up there somewhere in the sky and this spooky thing that, ooh, I don't know about him, you'll never want to enter in a relationship with him. He's not a power that you use. He is a person that you know. Let me say it again. He is not a power that you use. He is a person that you know. What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Again, it's incarnational. It's the Holy Spirit inside of you. I believe the key verse is Colossians 1.27. Christ in you. I want you to say Christ in me. The hope of glory. That means when you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you've got hope in you. John 22, 20 and 22 says this, and I want you to leave this up till we get to the next verse. It says, watch this. When he had said this, Jesus speaking, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. 
we look at this and we say, well, that's great, the disciples, and, you know, well, that's wonderful, you know, I praise God, I know I need Jesus to go to heaven, and the Holy Spirit's kind of optional. In the Greek, this is not a hint, this is not a suggestion, it's not a luxury or a charismatic option, this is a command of God. I want to say it again. When Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, it is a command of God. A command no different than thou shalt not kill or thou shalt not commit adultery. God will not command you to do something that he will not provide for you what you need to do it. So if God said, I want you to receive the Holy Spirit, that means today he is here right now to fill you with his spirit. Whew, glory to God. That means you don't have to wait another day. You don't have to wait another moment. God can fill you when we have prayer time here in just a moment, filled with the Holy Spirit. Can we give God a big hand clap of praise for that? Do you believe that? Ephesians 5.18, watch this, and I want you to leave this one up till I get to the next slide. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Watch this. But be filled with the Spirit. Again, this is a command. He doesn't infer that you may be filled with the Spirit if you like or do whatever you please in, in light of this. Just as there are commands to love one another and not to steal, be filled with His Spirit is a command. Twice right there in the New Testament, one from Jesus, one the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul as he wrote this. He is saying we are to be filled with his spirit. Be filled with the spirit is expressed in the imperative form in Greek meaning. It is a command no different than any other biblical command. Greek scholars note that the phrase be filled is in the Greek tense of continually being filled, not just a one-time experience, but a continual flow and refilling. Why? Because we leak. We got holes in us. Some of us got gaping holes. You can't get to the parking lot and it's already gone. Some of you leak a little less, but you still leak. Poke your neighbor and say, you leaking. <laughs> last time I heard about... <laughs> I just realized what somebody probably thought. Okay, I better go on. <laughs> That's not good if you're a little older. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you can and should experience in the Holy Spirit every day, every morning. You don't have to wait till you get to church to experience the Holy Spirit. You can experience Him right now, every day, every morning. I was up early this morning. I went down to my favorite chair to pray, and I had two youngins sitting in recliner sleeping. I thought, well, I'll go to another room. I went in there. I even tried to bump around. I turned lights on, made coffee. They didn't move. I thought, my goodness, I wish I could sleep that good. God commanded us to experience the baptism and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So let him fill you every day. God wants us to experience speaking in other tongues every day. 
I cannot even begin to tell you the weight that went off me when I was down here praying before 9 o'clock. Just praying in tongues. Just, I could just feel the weight lift. I could just feel the presence of God come. A relationship with God is supposed to be, listen, experienced every day. It's not a Sunday thing. Well, I'll worship God on Sunday and I'm going to live Monday through Saturday. He is to be experienced every day. Are you hungry this morning? Do you want to be filled with the Spirit this morning? How would your life be different if Jesus filled you with his Holy Spirit right now? How would your marriage be different? How would your workplace be different? Your family. Matthew 3.11. This is a promise from God for us. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me. This is John the Baptist talking about Jesus. Jesus is the he, but he, Jesus, who is coming after me, is mightier than I, and I'm not fit to remove his sandals. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He said he would. He didn't say he might. He didn't say maybe if you're good enough. He said, I will fill you. He said he will fill you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Somebody shout amen. I'm telling you, when God baptized me in the Holy Spirit, everything changed. I was going to church, and I was sitting on the couch. Holly was gone. We were in our little apartment in college, and the Holy Spirit came on me, and I began to speak in tongues again. I had earlier, but I had been years and did my own thing. God rebaptized me in the Holy Spirit. About that time, he started dealing with me, don't steal cable no more, you know. You need to pay tithes. You need to go to church. You need to this, that, and the other. Oh, okay, so I started following him. But, man, things changed. Addictions were broken. I felt life. I felt joy. I felt happy. I, I, I just, I had hope again. Man, just, the trees were green. The grass was green. I mean, I'm looking at the dandelions going, what a pretty flower. Wow. I mean, the birds were just chirping. I mean, can I just express to you, how many have a similar testimony? God filled you with his spirit. I mean, man, it just, everything changed. It leads me to point number two, and that is this. The Holy Spirit has a will. Everybody say, the Holy Spirit has a will. I mean, we know God has a will. Acts 16, 6 through 10. You're going to see it beautifully here. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Pergia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. That was his will. Paul said, I'm going to Asia. The Holy Spirit said, nope, not my will for you to go to Asia. You're out. Okay. Well, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus... Let me just watch this now. Go back to the other slide, if you will. Go, go back to the previous slide. Go back one more. Watch this. I want you to see something. Go back to verse 6. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Having been kept by the who? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. the Holy Spirit. Okay, remember I said he was the Spirit of Christ earlier? Same verse, same context. Watch what the Bible declares him to be. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. He's the subject matter. Go on to verse 7 again. Next verse. Okay, we read that. Go to the next verse. But the spirit of who? Jesus. Would not allow them to. Isn't it amazing that there are entire denominations that will tell you, we don't have anything to do with the Holy Spirit here. That's in essence saying we don't have anything to do with Jesus here. The Holy Spirit is a subject matter in that same verse. 
And two verses later, he is referred to as the Spirit of Christ. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Everybody say, God has a will. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Paul had seen the vision, got up ready at once to leave Macedonia, concluding God had called him to preach the gospel to them. I mean, he didn't, listen, we make this so hard sometimes. We, oh God, I got to know your will. Look, you just start heading after the Holy Spirit. He'll lead you. No, don't go here. Don't go there. I'm going to give you a dream about this guy begging you to come help me. I'll wake up and say, well, I don't see the Holy Spirit telling me no. <laughs> I ain't the smartest guy, but I think I'm going that way. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will lead you. Since he has a will and he is God and he's living inside of you, why not get to know him? The number one question Christians ask is, how can I know the will of God for my life? There are two wills of God. There's the general will of God, and we know that through his word. There is also the specific will of God, and we know that through his Holy Spirit. How to conduct yourself in marriage, turn in the Bible. The Bible will clearly teach you that. Who do you marry? The Holy Spirit tells you that. How to conduct your life at work, Bible is full, tells you how to conduct yourself at work and how to conduct your life and all. Where to work, the Holy Spirit does that. You see, we need both. We need the general will of God and the specific will of God. And I want to tell you, you can have a personal relationship with God and it's through the Holy Spirit. He will give you power to be his witness. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. Everybody say witness. witness. To me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher in England, said it this way. Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are ships without the wind, branches without sap, and like coals without fire, we are useless. I have a question for you. When was the last time you saw the Holy Spirit at work in or around you? If you're having a tough time remembering a time when the Holy Spirit worked through you or around you outside of a Sunday morning worship service, it could be because you're ignoring the Holy Spirit and what He's leading you to do. Do you have a knowledge in your head of the Holy Spirit but not really much relationship with him. This is real stuff here, folks. Let me, let me tell you how important the Holy Spirit is to ministry and life. The disciples' first assignment was to do nothing. You would think that Jesus, after all he did, they would go bust the doors down and run and, man, save the world. And their first assignment is very clearly recorded in Luke 24, 49. Behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. There are millions of people that need the gospel. Jesus has already paid the price on the cross. He's already died, been buried, rose from the grave, ascended to the Father. He is, he's, he's out. He's getting ready to ascend to the Father. I mean, it's over. The work has been finished. And he looks at him and says, hey, I know that I set this whole thing up, but you still don't have what you need to do what I'm telling you to do. That blows me away. Millions of people waiting to hear the gospel. They're the only ones that know the answer, 120 basically. They're the only ones that know anything about it. 
And Jesus says, I want you to sit and wait until you get a mysterious something from up above. Can you just imagine what that was like? That meant don't write a book, don't go make converts, don't heal the sick, don't do nothing. I know that's good English, but don't do nothing. Why? Because until the Holy Spirit came, they couldn't really do anything of value for the mission of Christ. Jesus basically said, you are no good to me until you get my spirit. This is real preaching here. Acts 1 verifies this. Jesus promised that he would build his church, but he would build it through the Holy Spirit within us and us yielding to the Holy Spirit. It's us working in conjunction with God. He fills us with his spirit. We yield and surrender to what he wants, and we carry out the will of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. Luke uh, uh, 1, 31 through 35. This is one of the greatest passages you will find anywhere in the Bible on what the Holy Spirit does in our lives for this world. Are you ready? Behold, this is the angel Gabriel speaking to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be? How am I going to, watch this, how am I going to get pregnant with Jesus, carry Jesus, and birth Jesus to the world? Since I'm a virgin, she's speaking in the natural, but how does that apply to us? The angel answered and said to her, oh, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. How do we get Jesus to our community and world? You surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit. He impregnates you with Jesus. You carry Jesus everywhere with you to work, to school, home, everywhere you go in the neighborhood. And you birth Jesus to the world for the purpose of glorifying Jesus to the world so that people will be saved. I'm telling you, you won't find a better passage in the Bible of what the Holy Spirit means to do in our lives. We are meant to get filled with the Holy Spirit so we can give Jesus to the world. Woo! Man, that's good. The Holy Spirit's role is like lights on a billboard's as you're driving down the interstate at night and you have lights and they're lighting up the billboards, the, the, what is the light's function? The light's function is for, to make clear whatever message it is they're wanting you to see. They're wanting to bring into focus their advertisement. The Holy Spirit is the floodlights in our life that doesn't bring attention to himself. You don't go down the interstate and say, what a lovely light. You don't even notice the light other than the fact that it's illuminating something they're wanting you to see. The Holy Spirit in our life is to illuminate Jesus. It's to bring into focus Jesus to a world that can't see him yet. It is to illuminate light, the light of Jesus Christ in a dark world where they're going down in darkness and all of a sudden they look and they say, oh, Jesus, 
Why didn't I see this before? It is to bring into focus the subject matter, which in this case is Jesus Christ, who walked this earth for 33 and a half years and died on a cross, buried our sins with him, let his blood wash our sin away, rose from the grave, and because of that, we are saved. I have a question. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate through you? Jesus at school, work, and everywhere you go. My final point will be brief. The Holy Spirit has emotions. Poke your neighbor say he's got emotions. He's got feelings. The fruit of the Spirit, right? Joy, peace, love. Those are feelings, emotions, all attributes of a person. A, person's, a person loves, right? A tree can't love. No matter what some organizations tell you, a tree cannot love, but a person can. Ephesians 4.30, and do not, watch this, everybody say grieve. grieve. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He can experience, watch this, the Holy Spirit can experience joy, peace, love. He can also experience grief. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Sin. Because the Holy Spirit loves people and sin hurts people. The reason the Holy Spirit grieves when we sin is not because he's angry at us. It's because he's sad for us. One pastor was praying for a man with marriage difficulties. And as he was praying, God gave him a vision. He said, sir, he said, I I saw you enter a hotel. He described what the man was wearing He described the man at the reception desk. He he described what the female he was with wearing. He even said, you went into room 213. This man turned white, began shaking. He said, how could you know that? He said, because the Holy Spirit just revealed you've been having an affair with a girl at the office for three years. And that's what God showed me you just did. Is that because God's cruel? No, it's because God wants that person back in right fellowship. Why do we grieve? We, because we lost the loved one? Okay, but we didn't lose that person. They're saved. They're in heaven, right? We grieve because we lost fellowship with that person. Fellowship was cut off. What grieves the Holy Spirit so bad about sin is because it cuts off fellowship with him. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, I really don't want you to steal cable anymore because it's like making me cut off fellowship with you. Is that stupid program really worth that? I think, well, no, you're more worth that. No, I'll cut that off. Then all of a sudden you say, well, you know, I don't feel the Holy Spirit. Well, he says, well, you got to cut this off. You need to live for me. Why? Because he is better than all that stuff. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Full. Not a measure. Not 10%. Not 99.9%. We need to be 100% filled with the Holy Spirit every day. Not a measure. We are, when we are, we will have his mind, will, emotions, and his fruit and his gifts with him. Look what D.L. Moody said, and we're going to pray. I believe firmly that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride and selfishness and ambition and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Spirit will fill every corner of our hearts. 
But if we are full of pride and conceit and ambition and the world, there is no room for the Spirit of God. We must be emptied before we can be filled. I asked the musicians to come. Listen, we had a man come down in our church. He had been a few times, and he was Baptist, knew nothing of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I was preaching on it, and he, man, he said, I, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I sat down there to pray, and I stopped, and I said, brother, I said, I feel like you need to repent of something. I feel like there's, there's something in your heart, unforgiveness or something. So he repented. I said, okay. I said, raise your hands toward heaven. I want you to begin to praise God. Now, God's not going to take your tongue and speak for you. You've got to speak yourself. But God's about to speak. Well, he raised his hands after he been. He started to praise God, and all of a sudden, he started speaking in tongues, and he kind of jumped back. And his eyes got big, and he looked at me like he didn't know what happened. I said, bro, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was like. And he raised his hands again to go back to praise God in English, and all would come out was tongues. And he kind of looked at me again, and I said, brother, it's okay. That's God talking through you. And he just started praying in tongues, and he's looking around like he don't know. I mean, he was just all wigged out. He was messed up from the floor up. But I'll tell you what, God got a hold of him and filled him with his spirit, and it was undeniable to his family. It changed his life forever. God will fill you right now. But we got to repent first. I'm going to ask everyone, if you will, if you're physically able to stand to your feet. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I feel like there's hungry people in here. I declare it again. Somebody is about to have a life change and you will never, ever be the same. If you are hungry to be filled with His Spirit... Well, Pastor, I just talked in tongues Wednesday. I felt this presence. Well, since Wednesday, we've all leaked. I had to come in here. I've told you. I had to come in here. I prayed in tongues for 40 minutes right in here from 820 to 9 because I just was messed up this morning. Do you need a fresh infilling of His Spirit? Have you never been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Is there something in your life it's time to repent? Is there something hindering the fellowship, cutting it off. It's a serious altar call, and I invite you to come right now. Just find a spot. Matter of fact, just find a spot. 